delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Share Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Big show coming your way today. Richard Crowell about to catch up with James Moffat to talk to him about 2023 and what that holds for Moffat. Big year it will be for him as well. I catch up with Mark Brax as we talk about this weekend's World Superbike Championship round at Phillip Island, round one of the season for the Superbikes. And of course, Mark Walker and Richard Crowell join me for a chat on what's been happening in the world of motorsport in the past week. All that to come right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right, time to throw it over to Richard Quayle and have a listen to his chat with James Moffat. Richard. Well, this weekend, the Shannon Speed Series heads down to the Apple Isle for the third running of AWC Race Tasmania. It's a great event with great racing categories. TCR is there. S5000's got a very feisty feel. We're looking forward to that. A bit of touring car masters action. And what I think could be one of the standout national racing categories this year, the Trans Am Series, it's gone crazy. The level of talent and ability in that field this year is hugely exciting. And joining them, this is really exciting, is one James Moffat. He joins us on the show now. Hello, Moff. How are you? Very good, uh, Richie. Thanks for having me on the uh, on the podcast. Mate, it's a pleasure to have you on, as always. A change of scenery for you. you. You park the TCR car and jump across to one of GRM's Trans Ams. Tell us about how that's come about. Yeah, look, um, I guess probably the, the simplest way of explaining how it's come about is because Nathan Hearn decided to bugger off to America. Um, and has vacated that car, so there was an opportunity to step into to his um, his seat, if you like, and um, also a little bit of within GRM, just wanting to simplify our program across the different categories that we run cars in. And you know, four was a nice, I guess, even number to be able to run in Trans Am, um, but also the four Peugeots in TCR, um, and I think. That number may have grown. I think we're running five S five thousands, but um, mm. yeah, across the year at least with the the TCR and the Trans Am um, classes, to be able to have four cars um, running out of the workshop in each of those categories was just a nice number. And um, for me, um, I you know, I guess dipped my toe in the water with Trans Am at the end of twenty twenty one at S uh, Sydney Motorsport Park, and really. Um, really enjoyed, you know, the style of the cars and, and the category. Um, so to, I guess, step into the championship winning car with the support of Valvoline and LMCT Plus, it was a bit of, bit of a no-brainer for me. I know you've had a close relationship with Nathan and it's been cool to see him get some progression in his career. I want to come back to that in a minute. But uh, tell me about driving the Trans Am car because they're a completely unique beast, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And, you know, I think the, the really thing, the biggest thing that, makes them so unique is the Hoosier cross-ply tyre. Um, so there's a, a bit to sort of wrap your head around that and understanding the best way to get it, uh, the most out of it. But they're a fantastic formula in terms of, you know, the platform of the car with uh, the control engine, um, four-speed gearbox. But 
essentially what everybody or what a lot of people I think are attracted to is rear wheel drive and a big V8 in the front. So mm-hmm. um, as Australians, that's, I guess, our heritage of racing in a nutshell. So um, I, I think that's why it produces really good racing. And um, like you touched on at the start there, the, the class um, really seems to be going from strength to strength. There's a, a lot of great talent that's coming up through, through the category um, you know, and there's also, I guess, a, a handful of guys that have some reasonable experience behind them um, that that are competing as well. And uh, across all that, there's some fantastic teams that are involved as well. So um, it's really going from strength to strength, and I'm just happy to be uh, involved in it. And those names. So, I mean, gricey has been there for a while and is always fast. Uh, yourself, of course, fully expect you to be a contender, but uh, Jet Johnson back for another season. He was strong last year. So you've got Moffat, Johnson, Grice in the field, which is kind of cool for those of us who love the history of the sport. Uh, your mate Tim Slade jumps in for a bit of a cameo this weekend, which is cool. But then you've got kids like Tyler Everingham and Jay Robotham coming across to have a steer in these cars as well. So... Do you see this as becoming a, an alternative little pathway for drivers looking to feed their way up through the ranks? Yeah, potentially. Um, and I, I think at the moment, the thing that probably is as attractive as anything um, to some of these young guys that are coming into the category is the affordability of it, mm. um, you know, against other categories out there. Like we all sort of know the numbers that are required to race in Super 2 and, and Carrera Cup. And uh, I guess this is just um, a different platform Clearly, all the you know the Trans Am races are on the ARG Speed Series um, show. Um, so yeah, it's just and, and and potentially Nathan Hearn going overseas and racing in the states. You know that might be opening some eyes for some younger kids to potentially um, you know go down that path as well. So um, yeah, there's a lot of positives in the se- series and um, and the cars and the style of you know, cars that they are. And um, I think that's possibly why, you know, you're seeing the level of interest in the category. Tell me about Nathan Hearn, because one of the things that grabbed me over the last three years, watching his progression through the speed series categories was a just raw speed was outstanding, but B his ability to jump at some rounds session to session from a a Trans Am car into the 5,000 and B very competitive in both was really impressive. Where, where do you think he's at in his career right now? And, and how do you think he's going to track over there in the States, which is a different little pathway to what we've seen with drivers going overseas of late. I, I love the fact he's having a crack, which is great. Yeah, definitely. Um, you, you, you're spot on there. I think it's fantastic that he's, he's gone over there when he told me um, towards the end of last year that he was doing it. Um, I said, Oh, that's fantastic. You know, I was really happy for him to, be um be uh, giving it a go and it'll be a completely different challenge for him but you know i think that race that he did at the end of last year at the circuit of america's proved that he'll be competitive in that category um probably straight away uh which is no real surprise to probably any of us because he, mm-hmm. he certainly is um mighty fast in the trans am cars and then you know he showed the last couple of uh, well, the Trans Am series and S five thousand. Sorry, the, the Tasman series, I should say, at the Gold Coast and and um, Adelaide at the end of last year that he got on top of the S five thousand car as well. So he's got an immense talent. Um, you know, I think you know the future is is very bright for Nathan if he just 
I guess, keeps his head down and applies himself, um, which he's more than capable of. And, you know, I, I would just encourage him to not really have any expectations um, and just let things happen naturally in a way. And um, I, I guess a lot of us became to know of Nathan a couple of years ago with all that sort of super license controversy and, you know, mm. him trying to get a start with uh, GRM and as a wild card in, in the Bathurst 1000. And um, there was probably a bit of negative, I guess, press associated with the wash up of all that. Um, and it's probably maybe taken a couple of years for him to get on the other side of that. Um, but yeah, I, um, I love watching him do his thing and it's been a, a pleasure to be able to sort of help him along the way the last couple of years. And um, I, I wouldn't say I was mentoring him or anything like that. I was just trying to help him where I could and, um, you know, be on his radio in the S5000s, which um, was entertaining at times, you know. Sometimes <laughs> I just had to sort of uh, remind him just to drive the car rather than trying to worry about um, – a million other things that might have been going on at any certain time. But, yeah, he's a great young kid, and um, I wish him well, that's for sure. He's got swagger too, so I think he'll settle into the Yanks' way of going car racing really, really well. Uh, this time, 12 months ago, if memory serves, you spent much of Sunday in the commentary box with Matt Nolte and I <laughs> because your TCR weekend at Simmons Plains didn't go quite to plan. Um, how much? How do you reflect on your... Your time in TCR, which was was full of some challenges, Moff, uh, across the journey. Yeah, well, I think that probably best describes it uh, diplomatically, Richard. Mm. Um, it was uh, there were plenty of there were plenty of downs along uh, over the last sort of three years. There were a few ups along the way. Um, yeah, competing or, or, or that sort of Renault program was was definitely very challenging. Um, and unfortunately, it probably just ran its course, to be honest. Um, you know, there was a lot of limitations um, for us in trying to develop the car. And essentially, we basically were the only two Renault TCR cars competing in the world. Um, so, yeah, Malenko, who, uh, who, you know, built the cars in, um, in Switzerland, you know, a fantastic guy and tried his absolute hardest. But when you're competing against, you know, essentially proper factory outfits in Hyundai, Audi, Honda. Um, I'm probably forgetting a few Peugeot. Mm. Um, you know, you, we were always up against it. So um, we, we had a couple of moments of, of, um, of brilliance, if you like, along the way. Um, but, yeah, essentially, I guess reliability really hurt us and, um, yeah, Gary and Barry made the decision to sort of, I guess, end that program for the time being. And, um, yeah, TCR World or TCR Land for me at Tasmania or Simmons Plains has not been very, very nice. So the last two years is sort of a big fat erase in the brain and uh, we'll hopefully turn our fortunes around for the better in Trans Am this weekend. Well, the, the silver lining was that we got to call some racing with you and you're very, very good in the commentary box. So that was a positive. Uh, what about your career, mate? You, you've got a, a long-term relationship with Tickford. You've got this long-term relationship with GRM. Uh, so you run the Speed Series events, supercar enduros, and then you've got full-time work outside of that in the in the construction industry, I know. So 
what, where are you at in, in as far as your career goes and your, your life in motor racing? Are you, you content where things are at right now? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably a good, um, as good a way as you can put it. You're probably never content um, mm. in your professional career. Well, you're competitive um, souls, aren't you? So you always want more. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I'm still yet to find that perfect race car um, mm. that does absolutely everything that I uh, want it to do. But, um, yeah, I find, um, I guess... I'm very fortunate with you know the racing that I can do with with GRM, um, and I, I really enjoy that side of it. Um, whilst we go to compete um, every single weekend, and you know we're there to win and do our very best, um, I suppose it's probably a little bit more of a relaxed atmosphere um, that side of things for me. And you know I really enjoy uh, working with everybody at GRM and. Um, they've almost become like, I guess, a little bit of a second family in many ways. Mm. Um, and then on the other side, still having the ability to compete at the biggest race of the year. Um, and, you know, the last few years been in a very competitive car driving with Cam. Um, that still is, I guess, enough of a buzz for me. And, you know, there's still that sort of competitive burning desire deep within myself to, um, to, I guess, get that fixed as well. Um, so it's probably a really nice balance for me and my relationship with Tickford is into its sixth year now. So um, I feel like, you know, that just works perfectly for everybody involved. Um, I don't see too much of them throughout the year, but I feel like, you know, when I'm required to turn up in October that I just sort of hopefully fit in seamlessly and you know, it feels like I've been there all year. So, um yeah, we've just uh, been on the podium at Bathurst for the last couple of years. We just haven't managed to mm. you know, be standing in that middle step, which um, I've sort of said before, that's that's still my number one driving force in terms of driving is to try and win that bloody race up at uh, Mount Panorama. So, um, yeah, it's a big motivator for me. And, and being able to do the Speed Series stuff, um, obviously – is very helpful for me in terms of being able to keep race sharp and, 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 um, you know, driving throughout the year regularly. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good, good balance. And yeah, outside of racing, two young kids under six. So, um, anybody that's listening out there that sort of has similar age kids, you, you know, that is, um, first of all, there's never a dull moment, but there's not too many moments where you're doing nothing. Mm. Mm. Flat out. Yeah. Uh, well, Final one, uh, and it would be remiss of you to not, or remiss of me to not ask you about Gen Three and and the program and the Tickford cars look sensational. Um, it, we it's been well documented the process to get to this point. As we talk, it's Tuesday, the day before the test day. When people start listening to this, the test day will be halfway through, and and hopefully you've had some laps under your belt. But what what's the feeling from your in in the paddock about the product about what you've seen so far from the early shakedowns and and what you're most looking forward to about this new product we've got coming in supercars this revolution for supercars this year yeah we, you, you spot on there um Krause, it is revolutionary isn't it like um this is the biggest change that i guess that side of the sport has seen in god knows how long like it it's a massive change and um i guess Diplomatically, the sort of rollout of it, you know, from afar probably hasn't been as smooth as I guess supercars personnel would would have liked. But um, 
you know, we're all here in the paddock. Like you said, it, it is Tuesday night as we're speaking now, but, you know, all the cars are here in the paddock and uh, the fans will get to see all 25 cars um, on track for the first time um, in the new specifications that is Gen 3. So uh, from my point of view, I'm just excited to uh, drive the car and see how different they are to the previous generation car. You know, we've read all these you know figures about reduction in um, horsepower and this and that. And obviously the architecture of the motor is hugely different. Um, but I'm sort of going into it with the approach. Well, at the end of the day, it's still a race car. It's still mm. got four wheels, a throttle, brake pedal, and a clutch and a steering wheel. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what they're all about. And, um, yeah, I know that from an industry point of view, there's obviously been a massive amount of work that's gone in from all of the individual teams to, to get to this point. So, um, you know, motor racing doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, putting cars on, on the track, can often be taken for granted, but there is just, you know, countless hours of development and, and assembly and all those sorts of things that, that are happening in the background that, um, you know, I guess each and every one of the team members involved have certainly been earning their monies. Um, uh, not to say that they, they don't usually earn their money, but... Just more um, so, yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, just, just keen to see what they're all about. And until I've driven it, I won't past any judgment well regardless of what spec it is we've got a moffat racing a mustang for a full season this year and i reckon that sounds pretty cool to me so all the very best moff thanks for joining us appreciate your time go well at the test and look forward to catching up with you at race tasmania this weekend thanks crazy look forward to it there's james moffat joining us here on the grid there's more great motorsport stories coming next on the grid Massive weekend at Phillip Island this weekend with the Grand Ridge Brewery Australian Round for the World Superbikes and World Super Sport. And to join me to talk all about that, we say a very good day to Mark Brax. Hello, Braxy. How are you? Good, Tony. How are you? Good, mate. First of all, looking forward to jumping in the commentary box with you over the weekend and calling some of these races back-to-back rounds for Australia. We had the last round last year. First round this year, and gee whiz, there's been some uh, changes in the pits, hasn't there? Yeah, there certainly has been, mate. Um, and it's uh, a lot of them are still wondering if they've actually gone home. They've gone, and we just seemed to be here a couple of weeks ago, and now we're all back here again. And I said, Yeah, but the weather's a little bit different, isn't it? Yeah, compared to what we had uh, those conditions in November, they were absolutely uh, astonishing when it comes to things like that. Yeah, they certainly were. Geez, I'll tell you what, Braxy, you look at the list of rookies in World Superbikes for 2023, and there's some amazing names headed up probably by Daniello Petrucci. Uh, yeah, well, the ex-MotoGP um, pilot and uh, race winner there as well. Um, and he spent a bit of time in the AMAs as well, which has given him the, uh, I suppose, the, the carrot to come back to a, a semi-factory Duc- uh, Ducati team, um, basically on the same gear as what Bautista and uh, Michael Ro- Ruben Rinaldi are on as well. So... Um, he could be a bit of a dark horse. And uh, when you're saying about rookies, also the one to look at too is uh, Dominique Agurta, the uh, yeah. um, Swiss rider. Um, he's uh, He actually was fastest this afternoon to uh, uh, relegate um, Remy there in that um, session this afternoon. Um, Remy was down a little bit. They swamped him in the last couple of seconds of the uh, um day two the session second session this afternoon 
Um, he would, went down to uh, ninth position after the two days of testing, which isn't bad. He put in his fastest lap of the race, or the race, of the um, day today in that uh, final session, a 131.073. So I think he's in good shape. But Agurt uh, is another dark horse. Another one, too, that um, coming back from MotoGP ranks, Moto2 is Baldessari. Mm. Um, he uh, had a bit of a get-off today at uh, Siberia. And uh, the um, lithium battery... Um, started smoking and uh, had to be put extinguished by the marshal. So that's uh, a lot of work for those guys to put that back. But uh, sign of the modern times with uh, lithium batteries, I'd say. Exactly right. You you mentioned Remy. Of course, we talk about Remy Gardner. He's into the category this year. And that is a damn good team, that GRT team, with a Gerda and Gardner. They always say you've got to beat your team at first up. And both of those guys are going to be pushing really hard to make sure they do so. Yeah, exactly. They've got, uh, well, it's the old um, very much used cliche, isn't it? The first person you've got to beat is your teammate. Um, so they'll be, uh, uh, they know, they've known each other from the Moto2 paddock as uh, as well. Uh, Goethe being there, he's been doing the Moto E category. Um, he's done a bit of everything. I think at the end of last year, he, won, he did the E series, he did the Moto2, and then the next weekend or a couple of weeks later, he was here to do the um, World Super. Uh, bike race so um, he's getting a lot of uh, well he's got a lot of experience and that's going to go well for him he was uh, Dominic was part of the Jack Miller team that was here at the end of last year um, him and Jack are good mates and he rode an R1 at the final round of the ASBK round at the bend um, turned into a bowling ball in the second race he didn't make too many <laughs> friends there but um, <laughs> I'm sure he'll be um, not taking any prisoners when it comes to the hur- hurly burly of uh, world Superbike racing Remy Gardner, as you mentioned, the 2021 Moto2 World Champion. Great to see the name Gardner riding in top flight motorbikes again at Phillip Island. Yeah, it is actually. And, you know, I think um, Remy might have found the place he needs to be. He's at the recent test at Portimao before they came out here, he lapped around there quicker on the R1 than he did on his MotoGP bike last year, albeit by a couple of tenths of a second. But then it just shows you how well he's adapting to the uh, R1 and how much, I suppose, easier they are to ride without taking anything away from him and how you know how much horsepower some of these machines have got. Mm. They're still production-based machines, even though they've got a lot of changes on them compared to the Exotica that uh, Remy was used to last year or was trying to get used to last year. So I think, um, and listening there in this afternoon, standing at the, at the pit, um, door listening to him talking to the team he's very relaxed and calm and not that um what would you say not so much not as boisterous yep as, as overbearing as what he has been and uh demonstrative i suppose is a good word for it as well um he was rather calm settling in told him that he, he wanted to change the, the traction control and the um power delivery system to change the power delivery a little bit to try and make the tires last a bit longer and he was speaking English in a calm manner. And I think if he's got a good team behind him and a team that believes in him, and it's the same as any rider, driver or acrobat, I suppose, if you haven't got the team behind you that's uh, not showing the trust in you, um, that um, uh, you, you lose your bit of your own confidence and then yeah. you're fighting your team as well as you're fighting yourself in the opposition. So, you know, I think he started off on the right foot. Obviously, he hasn't gone to the top of the timesheets, but... Um, like you said, there's a lot of good rookies in there. Plus, you've got those guys that were mentioned about Tista, Johnny Ray. They had a little small crash this afternoon at turn four. 
Um, then you've got uh, Michael Ruben Rinaldi, who was about ready to knock on the door of Bautista now that he's, well, he's on the factory bike as he was last year, but I think the team have got a lot more faith in him as well. And then notwithstanding uh, top Razgat Leolu, um, he was, they were changing forks twice. I saw him in the session this afternoon. Really shocked. I think they changed the wheel um, uh, wheelbase of it too because they put an extra link in the chain with a bit of extra gearing and uh, pulled out the um, chain adjusters a bit. So I think that might have been a bit longer in the steering to try and get it to turn a bit better, a bit slower. Maybe it was too aggressive in the turn in for uh, Razgat Leolu. I did have it. So I was still in a debrief when I left the track this afternoon. And then on the other side of the coin, you've got guys like uh, Scotty Redding who are struggling on, the, on his second year on the BMW. Braxton, um, we always we always want to see the the back markers. We always want to see the underdogs get up and win races. But I think something we learned from last year, and I'm wondering whether it's going to be the same this year, is that the cream seems to rise to the top. Batista, Jonathan Ray, and Rats Gatlioglu. I got that right, I think. Uh, <laughs> those three guys pretty much shared most of the wins and most of the placings last year, didn't they? Is it going to be the yeah. same in 23? It probably will be that way, but there'll be a little bit of extra cream on top as well, I think, throwing their, their two bobs worth in. The likes of Rinaldi, um, um, part of me, Gardner, I think will be in there for a podium every now and then. Uh, another one that I'll be keeping an eye on too is Petrucci. I think once he gets the hang of the... Uh, the bike, he didn't like the 2023 model bike. He rather the older bike, but they get the same gear. So it's a matter of adapting to it. And I think there's going to be that more. Everybody I've spoken to in the paddock, even uh, Marcus uh, Reitenberger from um, uh, the BMW team, he's an engine guru. He's been around the paddock for years and years. And he's saying that to him, it's the most competitive field that he's seen in the history of world superbikes. Yeah, and I right. said, what, even back to the days of Fogarty and Bayless and Corsa and all that. And he said, yeah, then there was three or four. He said, now you've got nine or ten on their day can do their stuff if everything's working for them. He said, I don't think we're going to see the same domination that we've had in the last couple of years of uh, uh, Bautista, Razgat, Riolu and, um, and Johnny Ray. There's going to be, And for that matter, look at uh, Johnny Ray's teammate, Alex Lowe's. He was uh, knocking on the door there a bit last year. Um, the second half of the race was letting him down and tyre management and all the rest of it. And then there's also the Honda guys of, um, pardon me, Ike Laquona and um, um, Chubby Bieha, Bieha, the uh, two Spanish on the team HRC um, Fireblades. They were getting a bit more consistent uh, this year, both XGP pilots. And I think their second year in the team uh, will go a long way to helping them uh, get closer to the more consistent podium finishes. Nice to know that I'm not going to be the only chubby at uh, Phillip Island this weekend, <laughs> Braxy. Uh, we, you mentioned the name Troy Bayless. How fantastic is it that we've got someone to follow in Supersport as well with uh, Ollie Bayless doing his best uh, over the last couple of days of testing and uh, showing us that he can ride. Yeah, well, he's uh, there's nothing wrong with his riding style, that's for sure. He's, um, it was mainly, I suppose, last year he was up against that he was on a new team, new bike, new tracks. Um, and even though he'd been riding a similar bike around him, it's nothing like getting on the race bike. And, um, you know, now that he knows the the, um, the tracks, uh, he got a, 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 what was it, an eighth place finishing last year. He was battling in that uh, for the top six placings there for a while after the top four broke away. Um, he's in a team now by himself that all the focus will be on him. Um, so I think that's another positive in, in his direction. 
And as he said to me briefly yesterday, he said, now I've got to, it's up to me to, you know, to do the job. So uh, at the moment, looking at the live time, and he's in the pits and he's got, uh, what have we got left? About 44 minutes left of the session and he's in ninth position in this one. And that's uh, then we'll, uh, he's, after being third fastest yesterday, I think that time will be the one that um, gets him through into a probably a top five overall after the four sessions are finished later on this afternoon. When we're uh, down watching the GP or whatever it may be, but when, when it's bikes at Phillip Island, the, the best racing to watch is Moto3. It's so close. You get the slipstream happening and blokes come from 10th to win and all that sort of stuff. Super Sport is pretty much the same, isn't it, Praxy? You're going to have close racing through every lap. And I think the times that we've seen in practice has been testament to that with, I think, around about a second separating the top 15 bikes. Yeah, so you did right there, uh... Shebeck's there, it has been very close and that's going to change all the time. Uh, at the In the last couple of sessions, it was uh, Nicola Bulliger on the the, um, the factory Ducati Panigale that was leading the way. But now at the moment, the Yamaha's up there and you've got Caracasula who's uh, jumping on the Ducati this year. Uh, on Chu, the young Turk, he's always knocking on the door. I think his time has come. Then you're going to go have uh, graduates in the class like... Uh, the man that won the Supersport 300 category, Adrian Huertas, the Spanish rider. He's going to be in there. Then you've got, like we said, Ollie Bayless. Um, and then Rafael De Rosa. He's been around for many, many years and always um, going to give his best. And so, yeah, and then Nicky Tooley on the Triumph, the, the young Finnish rider. He's going to you know, be in there as well. So the depth in it this year is going to be um, pretty astronomical, I think. Certainly is, Braxy. And of course, we've got the Aussies uh, riding around in uh, Superbikes and Supersports, the Australian Superbike and Supersports Championship, also uh, making its way down to Phillip Island this weekend. Yeah, first round with uh, the top three, the Superbike, Supersport and the Supersport 300s for the little fellas. And um, yeah, it's um, shaping up as a great weekend for their opening round of the year as well. And the testing was in uh, Eastern Creek a couple of weeks ago, it was Sydney Motorsport Park, as they like to be called. Um, but in the superbikes, it was uh, Josh Waters that was really the dominant force in that, continuing on from where he left off last year after he, uh, his first guest appearance at the uh, MotoGP round because uh, Maxwell didn't want to risk anything when going for the championship. Then the ASBK round at Phillip Island where he broke his lap record that he set at the GP. And then at the bend where he was pretty dominant there as well, except he got taken out in the second race by Dominica Gerda. So... Um, but yeah, and at the season testing, he was do um, dominant for the two days over the eight sessions they had the in the day and night. But what was impressive about Josh was on the last afternoon, on the uh, Thursday afternoon, when it was, I think, about a 60 degree track temperature and really greasy, he put in his fastest time of the two mm -hmm. days and left everybody like about 0.7 of a second off in those conditions. And everybody's going, well, as Cruelladay said, if we don't ruffle his feathers early, or let him get the whole shot, the race is over. You know my um, love for the Prince of Phillip Island, Wayne Maxwell. Yeah, Wayne, well, it's interesting seeing him in a different role now. Yeah. Um, there were strong rumours that he was going to be doing the wild card again for the World Superbikes, but um, up until about, uh, well, a few weeks ago, actually, I asked him um, in off off air, like on a, just a social phone call, and he said, no, mate, I'm I'm all over it. I'm finished with it. And he said the same thing at the test a couple of weeks ago. He said, I've got other things to do. Um, my mind's not in it yeah. uh, the way it is, and it's probably the most sensible thing he's thought of, that he's he hasn't got anything to prove. Um, and if he went out there and something did happen, 
which we know they've only got two wheels and they fall over. Yeah. And those guys of that caliber know only too well what can happen in a, a very, you know, a nanosecond. And seeing him in the role in Eastern Creek where he's there and right at liaison and talking to Josh and basically communicating to the team and breaking it down and then going out and having a look at Josh on the bike and analysing what he's doing. He said, I'm enjoying that now because it's giving yeah, me good. a different perspective that I never saw before. So, And that's going to be a very formidable team in that paddock with uh, the likes of um, Waters there and the Maxwell, is the, as he said, I'm the, just the coffee maker that lends a hand <laughs> occasionally. Um, but then, you know, you've got Crew Halliday, you've got um, is a few good, Troy Herfice now, he's fully fit. Yeah, they've taken the bike to, to what he wants, to how he wants to ride it, where he was trying to change some things last year because they were trying to make him change things because of his body and all the rest of it. But now he's gone nut. And they were talking, you know, they were um, talking to other riders, Josh Waters and uh, Mike Jones, about taking his ride for this year. Um, you know, so Troy's got a lot to prove. No, he hasn't got anything to prove, but he wants to ruffle a few feathers yeah good on him as i said to him uh i said what the because of one of the best comments of life when you got in when you've got opposition or someone doesn't like you and you're the other well if you can live in their head 24 hours rent free you're winning <laughs> and he said that's what i want to do i want them to be thinking of me when i'm not at the track and i think the new, the, the troy herfoss of old will be back that is good to hear. Braxy, of course, we want everyone to come down to Phillip Island this weekend. The racing starts on Friday here in Victoria. But if you can't, you can catch all the action on Fox and KO? Uh, yeah, you can do that as well. Or if you've got the lap on SBK, um, well, SBK.com, but Fox and KO will be running it. And um, I don't know how far this broadcast goes, Tone, but uh, Friday here on the island is always free Friday for the locals. So if you... Uh, can prove that you've got a you know a local in the district in the Gippsland district or Wonthaggy and such and Phillip Island you get in for nothing so um, that's a good incentive that's been going on initially that's been going on for a few years and uh, yeah pl plenty of um, tickets left if you want to go there and the weather is going to be magnificent. Yeah it is too it's going to be uh, quite warm so for our listeners over there at Radio Le Mans throughout Europe and the like you probably won't make it for free Friday Probably a bit late to book your ticket now, but do it next year. Come down and watch the World Superbikes. Braxy, I'll catch you on Friday morning, mate. Very much look forward to sharing the microphone with you over the next uh, three days over that, over this weekend. And uh, we'll talk a little later on. No worries. It's good as always, mate. Looking forward to it. Get on you. Mark Brax joining us here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right. Come to the final part of the show. And... Uh, I get a chance to welcome Richard Crowell this time after his great interview with James Moffat earlier on. Richard? Always good to catch up with Moff, Shebex. He's a great human being, a ripper bloke, good racing car driver. And uh, as I, I finished in that chat with Moff, I think it's going to be cool to see Moffat in a Mustang for a full season. Isn't that a good yeah. story? There's a bit of history there in, uh, in motorsport. So love it. Going to be good fun this season to see how uh, he goes in the very competitive Trans Am series. I know one man that's very excited about seeing Moffat back in a Mustang. Oh, loves Mark a Mustang. Walker. Loves a Mustang. Loves a Moffat. Stop it. Mark, how are you? I'm, I'm here and good. Hey, question to you both. We're heading to Tasmania this weekend. Have you ever been to a bad race meeting in Tasmania? No. no. I had a bad trip to Tasmania. It's just a great destination, isn't it? It's a ripper it place. Yeah, it really is. I, I, Launceston is one of my favourite cities to visit. 
And you're spot on. I, I much prefer the fact that Simmons plays is 20 minutes out of Launceston and not 20 minutes out of Hobart. Mm. 100%. Yeah, Lonnie's it's a great place. Uh, Simmons is a fantastic racetrack. Really yeah. good. I, I will, I've said it before on this show that if they ever threaten to extend that racetrack again, I will be one of the first people to lie <laughs> in front of the bulldozers. Yeah. Don't need Hell no, we won't plant. go. Hell. It is such a good place as you it is. You and old racetracks. Jeez but but this, why change it? Ever, oh, we're going to make it longer. It's only a 45, 48 second lap. Who cares? Yeah. Bristol's 15 seconds. No one gives a stuff about that. It's one of the highlights of the calendar. Bit of variety. Anyway, good trip. Can't wait. And uh, it should be a really interesting race meeting to kick off the, uh, the Shannon's Speed Series this year. Yeah, it certainly will be. And I think we've had this chat before, but we really are in danger of losing our racing soul if we start getting rid of tracks like Simmons Plains and stuff, aren't we? And and Barber Gallo and all those sort of places because that's that's where it is. That's where it's at. Fortunately, Tassie, both race tracks are very well supported by a the government and b the the sporting car club down there do a great job uh, and they raise funds and remember. Recently, they uh, they resurfaced Baskerville Raceway outside of Hobart, which is awesome. So, and Simmons, it's one of those little tracks you always roll back into it next year, the year after, and and something little's been done, but it's always been just slightly improved when you go back, which is uh, which is great. You know, you're a part of the organisation of the Speed Series for this year, but big media push, and it's the sort of place that's always receptive to a decent media push. The the local media down there always get behind it 100%, which is something nice. You know, you roll into these other capital cities and you're nobody, but motorsport in Tasmania is kind of a big deal, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and I know what you're trying to get me oh, to allude to here, Mark. No, I wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> you can. You can You can own the media down there. Now, Shebex, our colleague here for a time, uh, spent some time in the sport as the PR manager for Jack Daniels you Racing. Did. He did. And uh, such a good job did our friend Mark do on the PR there that not only did he get on the, was it, was it the back page of both the Mercury no, no, and no, the no. Examiner? No, no, no. It was the Launceston newspaper. I had a deal with Rico. He said he'd, he'd pay me, you know, 10 bucks for a back page and 20 bucks for a front page. Mm. So I sent him a text the race morning, whatever it was, it's like, you owe me 30 bucks because they put the exact same photo on the back page and the front page. Mm. Oh, mm. They Obviously really? the sports editor and the news editor just didn't talk to each other, which is the sort of setup you like as a PR person. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a Jack Daniels wraparound, was it? Oh, it, but it's the exact same photo. It's like a flip book. It was just fantastic. It is easy to get a win down there, which is, it's a fairly quiet market. So you can uh, pitch some good stories. What I do need to know though, and it's in the interest, in the public interest that we discuss this and you give me an honest answer. Does Paola get handed over for that sort of stuff? Do the journalists or the editors get, a bottle of Jack Daniels to do that is is that only the sort of stuff that's done. done? <laughs> well, I, there was uh, I don't know if uh, what the correlation was, but the year that I gave absolutely everyone I ever met a bottle of Jack Daniels, I won PR Person of the Year. Mm. But the yeah. year after, the the JD dried <laughs> up, and suddenly I was no good at PR. So I don't know what the what went on there. But was that the same I, year that I we all got it? it. Was that the same year that every award. award winner at the media awards got a bottle of Jack Daniels as well? It was that year, yes. Yeah. What a big, year, what a big night that my, was. I've still got mine sitting <laughs> in my cupboard of alcohol. <laughs> no, I, I definitely don't. 
There uh, was some sore heads that next morning, yeah, wasn't there? There was, there was, uh, a there was a room, I specifically remember a room of five of us. It's true. And it was just, yeah, a big night. You fill in the gaps, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> if you know me, you probably know who the five were. But I'll tell you what, some of those nights out, the after parties in Tasmania, because you can't get on the plane straight away on Sunday night, so you need to hang around at the Irish pub on a Sunday night <laughs> in Lonnie. It's uh, memories. There, there was one yes. uh, where a racing driver who will remain nameless uh, caught up several years after the fact. He looked at me and said, oh, you know things, don't you? I was like, yes, yes, I do. There was... Uh, they are those nights of the stuff of legend, and they've got a little cone of silence uh, sealed around them. But they are they were epic evenings. There's no doubt about it. It's a ripper place. We love going there. Great race fans. Um, sales for this weekend, um, I'm told, are very very strong, which is excellent. So, uh, first time we'll we'll do this with no COVID caps or anything like that. So, looking forward to um, looking forward to getting down there. Actually, it's a it's a really good little race meeting and a couple of key national categories kicking off in a big way. What can we expect, Richard? Racing uh, well, wise? Oh, yeah. Look, it'll be it'll be pretty good. I, I honestly think Trans Am's the category to watch this year. The um, the depth in that field is outstanding, and where last year was a bit of a Nathan Hearn, Owen Kelly domination, this year there's probably eight guys that can legitimately contend, and you've got people like. Uh, Jay Robotham and Tyler Everingham coming into it. Jet Johnson's back. Benny Grice is back. A Holdsworth um, name there Brett, as well. Brett Holdsworth's running. Um, so yeah, there's there's lots of depth, and of course Moff who's coming over from TCR. So the the competition in that series, you're not going to see a Nathan Hearn scenario where one driver just jumps in and runs away. And and I think the racing's going to be absolutely brutal this year. So looking forward to that. Uh, Touring Car Masters, the the thing there will be Johnson Hansford Bow. So it's Australian Touring Car Championship circa 1987. Uh, all ex-DJR names, ironically. but yeah. um, And it's JB's final tour, isn't it? Yep, JB's final year. We'll get him on the pod at some point. Uh, this year and have a discussion about that as well. So that that's going to be good fun. That'll be good racing. Marcus Kanovic back after uh, almost 12 months now to the sidelines with uh, injury after breaking his leg in a work accident. So that'll be good fun and the Valiant Pace are running. TCR is, uh, you'll see Will Brown and Tony D'Alberto going head-to-head. So the two former champions in TCR, that's going to be good fun. Will Brown's got a brand new car, so he'll be quite competitive. The Honda's got about five rounds left in it before the upgrade gets to Australia, I think is my understanding. So TD might be um, racing with one arm behind his back, but he won the championship last year. So you can never rule him out in another quite competitive field there. My money's on Jordan Cox this year in TCR just for fun. Yeah. The the thing with TCR is that on any given weekend, the balance performance can be in your favor. It might be against you. You know, yeah. you look at. Well, it's GT3 hot, racing for touring cars. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you look at. Mount Panorama last year and the Honda was nowhere, but it could lob up this weekend. And even though it's an older model thing, it could still be absolutely on the pace, but uh, you'd expect Will Brown in the newer model car, you know, the, that'd be the same model that Jay Hansen ran last year. Uh, expect that to be a good thing. Cause uh, Jay certainly put it through its paces last year, but uh, you know, pound for pound, Will Brown versus Jay Hansen, you'd have to back uh, Will Brown. Anyway, yeah. it'll be interesting. It'll be, be good to watch. They, yeah, they, but, they race well around there too. They do. And look, even the Honda from last year to the year before 
like the year before they rolled up there in 21 and the Hondas were second a lap off the pace mm. at Simmons Plains. It's only 2.4 Ks. There's literally three corners to navigate. Where do you lose a second in that lap? So BOP hurt them then, but we went back there last year and, and they were quite competitive. They had a good run and, and Fabian in the stand car. So, um, yeah, it'll be good racing, I think. Uh, and then I, I'm really excited about S5000 because that field is seriously... When are you not? Well, I know, <laughs> but look at the talent assembled for this round and it's easy to understand why. So, you know, Roberto Mary coming back was on a podium in a Formula 2 race at the Red Bull Ring last year in a, a little fill-in drive he had. So he's as sharp as attack. Um, Joey Mawson back, double champion, looking to make it three in a row. Um James Golding having a one-off, Zane Goddard running the championship this year, um, Aaron Cameron doing double duties with TCR, you know, the list goes on, Jordan Boy is running. It's a great field. It's a properly good field and will be very, very feisty. And this is the first time S5000 go to Simmons with the push-to-pass system in the cars as well. So that's going to be a really interesting little yeah. uh, side plot to see how that affects the racing, if at all. And, um, yeah, it should make it really competitive i would have thought more so can you, use the, can you use the push to pass on the hairpin well you can use it coming out of it yeah okay yeah but pushing it in the middle of the corner is probably not yeah not that wise, really that'll, is it? No. that'll put you in that dam behind the fence there in old farmer <laughs> joe's paddock i think <laughs> yeah that no, should be good uh yep. everyone can watch it on uh stan 11.30 a.m. both days. Correct. And live and free coverage on the Nine Network on Saturday afternoon, three hours off. That's your weekend. My weekend, as you heard from uh, my chat with Mark Brax earlier on, it's going to be down at Phillip Island. World Superbikes kicking off down there. They've uh, they've kicked off the calendar every year since 2009, except for last year when yeah, uh, we were the last the event. season last year? Or? No, we were the actual last event last year, so it's back-to-back effectively. Yeah. Because yeah. of uh, COVID, they couldn't get here earlier. Mark? Now, clearly, you know things. The event is sponsored by the Grand Ridge Brewery, which yes. appears to be a country pub. Mm. Uh, I, I did Google it too. Because I'm hoping <laughs> to get there if I can. <laughs> Are we missing the trick here? Like, how come we haven't picked up sponsorship from them? Well, we'll cop sponsorship from a pub. Yeah. And here they, they are sponsoring owned? the World Superbikes. It's like, yeah. Are they owned by Lindsay Fox? Are they really? Oh, well, I don't the... know. I'm asking you the question. No, Have I... you seen the pub? Sure. No, there's not a lot to it. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine World Supers at Phillip Island comes cheap. Like, it's not okay. something a little craft brewer. I don't, I know Reckless Brewing in Bathurst were on an Audi R8 at Bathurst, but let's be honest, they're all mates in Bathurst. So, well, then the uh, the Lindsay Fox connection would probably make sense then, wouldn't it? I'm just spitballing here. Yeah, it's an interesting sponsor. I, it was on there last year as well. So, multi, they've done a multi year deal. Good on them. Yeah. Uh, how are you going with the surnames? No, Shabek, shockingly. Because there's some pretty rad surnames in the old world supers. Yeah, there is. And uh, Raz Caglioglu. Yep. We're, yeah, we're working with them, Richard. Are we? It yeah. Is... The Italians I'm okay with. You the wait. Spanish, you gonna... got, you're going to trip over Smith, uh, aren't you? I hope I pronounced it correctly. It could be my most embarrassing weekend ever. Seriously. Oh, well, we'll see. I think we're going to come up with nicknames. That's probably the safest way to go. Just channel you doing an Australia v India Boxing Day test, and I'm sure you have to work hard for that, or Pakistan yeah. test match, or you'll be fine. Yeah, no, we'll, we will be fine. Great to see uh, a couple of familiar names on the grid. Uh, of course, one being Ollie 
uh, Corsa, who's the son of Troy, who's going to be uh, racing in the Super Sport, and uh, young Remy Gardner has made the switch from MotoGP over to World Superbikes this year, so he'll be flying the Aussie flag there as well, which is good to have the name Gardner running around Phillip Island. Yeah, and it's supposed to be uh, bloody hot there in the weekend as well, so that's going to make things interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the, uh, uh, the air conditioning will be pumping in the uh, in the tower. You can be guaranteed that. It should be good. Yeah, should be it good. should be. Uh, and and as we as you listen to us, folks, uh, we have supercars running around the circuit of Eastern Creek. As always, we record on a Tuesday, and everything happens on a Wednesday. So... Let's uh, let's just cover ourselves here. Yeah. Right. Well, we can edit this in if we need to. What an amazing morning it was at Sydney Motorsport Park this morning. What a how competitive is this field? Oh wow, it's you it's know super what? good. Just cut that there. You know yeah. what? I thought it was completely rubbish. I can't believe why you'd bother wasting your time travelling to Sydney for that. Really, what a absolute garbage truck of a fire gum dumpster fire that was you know Excellent. what we've covered ourselves now that's good either way we've covered the variables from that test day we cannot be wrong regardless of what happens now can we go with some of the scenarios we'll one of the scenarios is i don't think dunlop have brought enough tires nah look what the, the thing is it'll be fine. Sure. There it'll be n- fine nothing you can read into this because you know the weather everyone runs their own programs blah 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 nothing's relevant if you're going back to the old days when we used to have testing there, Rick Kelly would be a five-time supercars champion for Nissan. Like, seriously, they Nothing roll like out the, at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park. The old to win the, win the pre-season Grand Prix. Oh, I used to love banging out those press releases. We're looking good for Adelaide, and then we'd come in post two ninth-place finishes, mm. and that'd be the highlight of the season. So I think Roland Dane, Roland Dane might have coined the phrase last year, and I, I'm pretty sure it was, and I, I agree with him totally. Regardless of what happens, the Queen will still rise to the top. And that, that's going to happen, isn't it? Professional sport, that's what happens. Yeah, exactly. It'll just, it'll just the cream may curdle occasionally and give us some surprises along the way, which is what happened. Remember when... Car of the Future came in, and we I think we had 10 different winners that first season. Yeah. But how quickly did it turn into a Tickford v. Triple Eight and then Triple Eight v. DJR fest? So, yeah, the same thing will happen, but that's good. That's professional sport. The The storyline will be, does it keep those other teams more competitive for longer by levelling the playing field and making it harder for them to get that big advantage, which is the whole idea of the scenario. Will it? Oh, probably well, not. That, but who whole- knows? The whole basis of this platform is that it's more spec. It's not like Triple A can go and design a better upright now. They're, they're all running the same kit. So yeah. whatever Triple A figure out, it'll be the exact same toolkit that everyone else has access to. So if they're smart enough and good enough on the day, they should be able to engineer something up. They should. Hey, folks, I was going to say, get, the, if you get the a best chance... teams will still win. Yeah, well, 100%. If you get a chance to uh, jump onto the race talk and have a look at Dale Rogers's uh, feature out there in regards to the upcoming Gen 3 cars and the fact that his belief, and he's absolutely spot on, is that the focus should be more on the drivers than it should be on the cars. 100%. Yeah, do you know, I, I don't disagree with that, but I think it's the, the storyline about the new car is totally worthwhile, though. At, for 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 a, a race meet or two after that, it's got to drop off. It can't. The whole year can't be about Gen Three. But but it will be because every track we go to will be the first time that a Gen okay. Three car's been there. So they'll be learning. So the first time we go to Bathurst, 
it's going to be what the hell are these cars going to do here? When we go to Sydney Motorsport Park, how will they behave in the night race? First wet race we get. So, look, I, I agree. And the sport, and we go blue in the face talking about this, has to do a better job promoting the personalities. If you've got the personalities to work with, I'll give you, um, because some of them aren't interested in doing that at all. So, so a, nice little, a nice little ad been running on Channel 7 here in Australia with Van Gisbergen in the cafe. Which is and great. Waters and, and Mostert. 100%. It's great. But I, I don't, I'm not averse to the car being the storyline as much as it has been because it, it, it's news. It has been. It's the biggest technical shake-up the sport has had since they went from Group A to the V8 formula in 1993. Like, it's a massive fundamental shift. So... In a sport, our sport is so unique in that the mechanical component plays such an enormous role in dictating results. Um, you know, people don't people don't talk about the infrastructure at the Adelaide Crows in delivering premierships as much as they do about how good Walkinshaw Andretti's car is in delivering Chaz a title. So it's it is massively important. I, I completely agree with Dale's point, but I think at this point this year it is all about the cars and rightly so because in the driving side not that much has changed really apart from the aesthetics of the car mark are the fans gonna take any pleasure or any benefit out of gen 3 hmm guess we have to wait and see because it's the first time we've never had a holding on the grid isn't it like what's mm-hmm. uh the fan base going to react to that obviously the cars look cool and they're spitting flames and they're making the right noises if the racing's good well That'll I don't think anyone will care. Exactly. If, if the racing's good, no one will care. Yeah. Yeah, because I've always been a massive believer that you could take 20 or 30 Ks off the top speed of a car at that level, and no one would know the difference. Yeah, there's only one racetrack in this country where anyone cares, really Bathurst. cares what a lap time is. Exactly. Yeah. Correct. And that's and there's only one, and it's really only one place. section of the track when anyone really cares what speed the car's doing. And no, but, Conrad, isn't it? but it's all about lap time there. So it's lap of the yeah. gods. It's Scotty's three. It's Maro doing it at the sub one minute, 21 or um, 121 second thing at Bathurst. But the, the outside of be, that, they'll be fast things... down Conrod anyway. Like, of course that's not going to be a problem. Yeah. They're not, they're not the big draggy cars no that they have been. No one cares. I genuinely, there might be 5% of people that give us stuff and, but they're just the really vocal ones that complain about everything on motorsport. Oh, they're not as fast as they should be. Yeah. But, if they come down Conrod five wide, battling for the lead of the 1,000 on the last lap, ain't nobody care about how fast they're going to go. If they're doing two-minute 15s, no one's going to care. No, true. Uh, how many teams, after testing on Wednesday at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park, today. will be today will be sitting back thinking, we're okay here. We don't none have to do too much. None. None of them. There will be none, will there? They will all be just going, oh, my God, we've still got so much to do. Some of them will be oh, we've got to rebuild this car completely. We've got to go a completely different direction engineering-wise. Like, there'll, there'll be, everyone will throw everything, the entire tool shop at it post this test, and then everyone's got testing lined up before Newey. Yeah. Well, what what goat track, you know, Newcastle is a dead-set goat track. It's bumpy, it's lumpy, it's concrete walls. The, the tracks we're testing on have no relevance to it, so they're all going to roll into... Newcastle, luckily, there's a fair bit of Friday practice there for them to get their heads around it. But uh, what are they really going to know before they head off Head off there? Yeah, not much. Which is good. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, don't miss Newey. It's going to be wild, one way or another. Like, they're either all going to fail to finish or 
it's going to be extraordinary racing or they're going to be the most uncomfortable racing cars to watch ever because they all handle terribly and which will be amazing for us. I drivers saying, oh, they cook their rear tires in 10 laps. Great. Yep. Outstanding. Bring on the super softs. It'll be three laps. Oh, yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, we've seen all the liveries of supercars now. Uh, best. Uh, we'll do a power rankings on yeah. TRT yeah, next okay. week or in, in the, the week leading up to Newcastle, I think will be the week to do that. Um, Oh, does, the like, best, does the best go to a uh, a the, Super 2 car? The, no. Oh, yeah, the, the Aaron Love car is pretty sexy, isn't it? It um, is very. The only issue I've got with that car is that now we know what the new Mustang looks like. You can only imagine that Petronas livery on the new Mustang and it would be even better looking. I, I, I The monster car, I said it last week, um, just slap some green M's on it and send it, and the thing looks evil in that that dark black cover, and it does. Oh, it looks sensational. So, um, simple is best with these Gen Three cars, I think, and it doesn't get much more simpler than the uh, the Monster Energy livery. I'd almost like to see them all on the same racetrack together in the same lights and mm. get a bit of a feel for them because I could do a really fancy pants photo shoot with green smoke and mirrors and. Mm. Well, you did good. D- good luck. Some Jack Daniels Datsuns under an underpass at some point, didn't you? So, hey, our photos—they're yeah. designed to make things look good. But we used up all our Photoshop tokens doing that stuff. Mm. It looked mm. hot. Mm. So, because the uh, the love car has got the uh, Mercedes colours, Mercedes F one decided to change theirs back to black. You save weight doing that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> all the cars Seriously. are doing it. Give them five extra kilos to put some paint on. Like, honestly, it's it's becoming silly, isn't it? Yeah. But that one team's just going to go, you know what, sponsors, these stickers are just weighing us down. We're just right. going without well, sponsors have. this year. But they they have. Like, they literally, people have they've removed livery to save weight. It's ridiculous. You should never be put in that position to make a beautiful-looking race car and a livery that's incredible. Like, the, in, they go to America. Those indie cars are so fat and heavy. They don't, it doesn't matter that they run no. a wrap on each car and change it every race. Just just apply the wraps over the top of the over other the top of each other. Yeah, do. <laughs> Until they get to the 500, it doesn't matter. It's so, seriously, F1 cars are so heavy these days. Give them five extra kilos. It's not going to make a difference to performance. And despite what the teams tell you, FIA, and... It, it might let them run a really cool livery rather than just having raw carbon. I love raw carbon, but not on 20 Formula 1 cars that you're trying to spot barreling into Turn 1 at Albert Park. It's fickle. Good That's fickle. Uh, speaking of the 500, that uh, got interesting. Mark Walker? Uh, yes. Overtime. Double overtime, was it? It was the uh, longest Daytona 500 in history because it went for 530 miles. Hmm. There's a stat for you. Obviously, other Daytona 500s have gone longer time. Like, they've done them before and they've lasted multiple days. But, uh, yeah, that was interesting. Um, Interesting result, too. Three years in a row, massive underdog wins. You know, a couple of years ago, Michael McDowell, who's come from the clouds, uh, Austin Sindrick last year and this year. um, Of course, Ricky Stenhouse there with the win for the JTG Doherty squad and huge links back to Marcus Ambrose. That was his first proper cup team, I guess. And Ambrose was there at the very beginning. He did their first ever race. Uh, He won them their first ever nationwide race at Watkins Glen back 2010. 
So he was uh, with them there for a couple of years in Cup and before he moved on to Richard Petty Motorsport. But um, There was a bloke called Ambrose there this week. I saw a name of Ambrose on the back of someone's uniform. Really? Yeah. One of the mechanics or something must have, his name Good must on. have been Ambrose. Well, there you go. But um, yeah, real interesting story. They're one of the few teams that has a full year sponsorship. It's like uh, Kroger Supermarkets, but they partnered with 18 different brands. So on the weekend, it was toilet paper was on the side of the car. So they go around and do all the toilet paper tour for old Ricky Stenhouse. But he was in the right place at the right time. Good strategy by the Chevys got him up there. And and that was part of the race. You know, people are popping up. Oh, it wasn't the Daytona of old. It was, but it was different. Like you couldn't, um, you know, back in the day, even a couple of years ago, you could just ride around all day, do nothing, and then come good in the last 10 laps. There on Monday morning out time, you had to be in the race the whole time if you wanted to be at the sharp end at the end of the day. So, uh, yeah, interesting day. Um, interesting result. Joey Logano just missed out, uh, but he was right there at the end. And you talk about the star factor, you know, you had Valentino Rossi at the 12 hour, uh, really added a bit of star power there. Travis Pastrana, Daytona 500, he nearly wound up in the top five which uh, would have been a probably bad look for NASCAR if you have your biggest race of the year and some bloke who hasn't driven a stock car in 10 years normally uh, drives a rally car or does backflips on a motorcycle, just romps in and comes out with a top five, but he didn't. Started awesome 40th too. Yeah, that, that doesn't right. matter. But uh, he, he drove really well all week and certainly added a different dimension to the whole event. So uh, there's that star power once again coming to the fore. But that's the sort of thing that, will open this race up to other people from other disciplines. You know, if there's a formula one driver out there, who wants to have a chop. Like that's the sort of, the sort of thing that will get them interested and get them online, which is only a good thing for NASCAR, I reckon. Hmm. Richard, anything you need to add to anything? No, I'm good with that. I think we should dive right into the power rankings for the week. Hots and knots. And uh, I'll kick things off with a knot. I'm going to start with a knot. We're going to end on positives this week because it's race week. Uh, Not NASCAR's international television production. Oh, dear. It was shaky at best. And US racing series need to get a handle on this if they want to take their international markets seriously. And there's money to be made. Like, people pay money for international rights, but what they get is pretty pretty average and um, Fox Sports in Australia cut away for every ad break, for example, that Fox Sports USA take, whereas Fox tell here normally go ad break free for live sport. But the reason they cut away, I understand is because there's no international feed commentary because Mm. when Fox go to a break in the U S Mike joy, you know, we'll be right back. They don't talk. They're off the air until they come back from the commercial break. So, international broadcasters here either run silence, which the three of us would be fine for. And I'm sure everyone listening to this show would be absolutely okay with, but a TV network that it's not how it works. You do one flying lap on board only, but otherwise you need the commentary there. So um, we get dudded because we get the ridiculous number of us ad commercial breaks. Never take for granted commercial TV in Australia folks, because in America it's mm-hmm. awful. Um but it's just clunky. They they cut away from studio segments without reason. They don't play the the packages to the international feed, but you get the audio sometimes. It's a really clunky format. 
And right now, the only IndyCar is slightly better because a couple of years back when Speed TV was a thing, uh, our colleagues there basically told IndyCar that they needed the full NBC proper production in Australia. Otherwise, they wouldn't take it anymore. Um, and as a result, we get a, an improved package here in Australia. But it's even to the point where when they're chatting to the host guys, so Chris Myers and... Um, uh, old mate Jamie McMurray were on the host desk. They they don't look at that. They just cut yeah. to random crowd shots. It, it's really poor. And I think both IndyCar and NASCAR have the same problem with their international feeds. Sky Sports in the UK do their own commentary in between ad breaks and things like that for IndyCar racing. But it's it's really disappointing and they need to fix that because their eyeballs are bigger than just the United mm. States. It's huge over there, obviously, and that's where the money is. But there is a significant international audience. And um, yeah, it's really frustrating. It makes it very challenging to watch. Like, yeah. That's Indica, my IndyCar and Stan, they just run that ad break in silence. They just run. Yeah, they can like, get away like, with it a little bit more as a streamer rather than a yeah. traditional broadcast network. Mm. No, good call. Mark? Uh, Knots at opposing ends, ends of the scale. Uh, Simmons Plains caught fire today mm. at cool. the day of recording. That was suboptimal. Bit of uh, backburning there might save their neck and shoulders by the weekend, but uh, hopefully the outfield stays in one piece. Uh, it was sort of looked like the infield opposite the pits there, all sort of burnt yeah, to a crisp. It allegedly started by the bridge, uh, the which is the super cheap bridge this year. So on the infield of the bridge, spontaneous uh, and, combustion and just burnt. Uh, there are reasons um, yeah. that we probably won't go into. Uh, <laughs> That, um, and yeah, just burnt the infield area, but it was very hot and very, very windy, uh, is my understanding. And yeah, it took, took three appliances and a whole heap of, uh, whole heap of people to put that out. So well done to uh, all the volleys for, for doing that. Good job. And at the opposing end of the scale, uh, Sandown on the weekend, you know, we're, we're all about motorsport at Sandown and they're running a lot of horse racing there with Caulfield being closed at the moment, and the priority was clearly on watering the horse track because they ran the big sprinkler down the main straight uh, mid-morning, which also <laughs> coated the racetrack in water while we were trying to race on it. No. So, thank you, Sandown. That was, oh, that was lovely. Oh. <laughs> what a fail. Like, oh. and, and it's really funny until they're running four wide off a race start and the sport stands on the inside and hits a wet patch and spears across the track into everyone. Like... Oh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, for the first time this year, my knot moves away from motor racing and has to be cricket related. And it's not going to be the Australian cricket team, but it's definitely the ICC, the Indian cricket or the, the ICB, what, <laughs> the Indian cricket board or whatever you want to call them. BCCI, yeah. No, 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 no. They run the ICC. Don't yeah, worry okay. about that. What a disgusting track. They've put up two tests in a row, and it just shouldn't be allowed. It, well, they, they need to it have should the, not be allowed to doctor a home pitch, a home have, ground like they have. Need to have the Sandown curator over there with the sprinklers. <laughs> the <laughs> random hose. Yes. <laughs> Get the job done. Yeah. Uh, you are listening to On the Wicket uh, with Tony Shebeki. Uh, Dodgy Wicket. Regular motorsport podcast will return. Uh, hot Richard. My hot is Travis Pastrana. You mentioned him before. His interview at the end of the race, despite being crashed, uh, the crash that ultimately bought the final flag that ended it, I think he was still classified 11th. Yep. Uh, his interview, it was on social media, um, was chatting to journos. It wasn't to the broadcast. It's, one of, it's the wholesome TV interview. This was a guy 
living his dream, always wanted to do it, and basically said, I've done it now. I never have to do it again. But wowee, that was so cool. I finished 11th in the Daytona 500. I could have been top five. Great life experience. It was a terrific, just feel-good little bit of content after, what was it? A slightly anticlimactic ending to that race. So uh, I, I thought that put a really nice little full stop on the Travis Pastrana story of being in that race. So that's my hot for the week. And uh, just a little tip of the hat to our colleagues at Blendline TV for continuing to do an excellent job of broadcasting state-level motorsport and uh, did a nice job with what I did catch from uh, Big Bad Sandown on the morning, the uh, Porsche 944 race oh, on Sunday you, morning. Was you stole absolute... my heart. Oh, did I? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's that. right. I've Built got more. Racking. How good are Porsche 944 is, <laughs> by the way? Yeah, that was rather ridiculous. So, yeah, go and catch that on the Blendline replay. Mm. Um, yeah, Travis Pastrana's pretty hot, but you missed the raging red-hot topic of the week, Richard Crail. Uh, the super cheap auto ad. Mm. Yeah, hot. Yeah. What a good thing that is. Yeah. That, yeah. I've watched that a fair few times and I wish I was in the market to go and buy oil because I'd probably buy it from super cheap. Mm. And you know what? What it is for mine? It's Aaron Cameron from the clouds with the gold Logie. Yeah. Who saw that coming? Yeah, totally. Unbelievable yeah. acting. Yeah. Just absolutely spot on. Out of everyone in that whole ad, it's Aaron Cameron's just little nod there. That was yep. just... That was it. That's First absolutely class. made the the ad for yeah. mine. I'd probably have to favour Valvoline now. If you um, haven't seen it, we shared it on TRT the day it went live. Uh, watch it on YouTube though, and watch it with the captions on. Captions work on Facebook too. Yeah, well, you just whatever you do, watch it on with the captions on because it just adds to the storyline. Outstanding, very good, very good. So my hot. Well, that was going to be mine, but I'll go with uh, Philip Island this week. The fact that I'm going to get to go to motor racing. For the first time in 2023, that's hot for me. Looking forward to the World Superbikes. Go You're allowed to have in. the same hot. I oh, think. yeah. No, I know. But I'll but just sort of throw another one. Offer some diversity in our yeah. power rankings. Hmm. Excellent. That's it. We're done. We're done. All right. Have a great weekend down in Tassie, my friend. Can't wait. Have a great weekend. Where for you, Mark? Very good question. Uh, Retro Rally Festival at Bayswater. Old rally cars banging around, which sounds Fantastic. like fun to me. You've moved into the right part of the world, haven't you? <laughs> Melbourne's so yeah. good, eh? Everything happens <laughs> just down the road from where you live. Uh, we'll catch you soon. Thanks for joining us right here on The Grid.